The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here's your top five at five. Stocks coming off their best day since mid-July as the Dow officially exits a technical correction. And right now, futures are pointing to more gains ahead. This coming on the back of that slightly softer than expected, but still red-hot inflation number and a big, another big inflation number coming up in a couple of hours. Speaking of higher prices, Disney is doing something that customers may not like, but investors do. Plus, the average price for a gallon of regular gas is something for the first time since March, and it's good news for your wallet. Later on, crypto clawing back from recent lows. One major coin gets set to massively shrink its carbon footprint. Tell you all about it on this Thursday, August 11th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Great to be back with you here on Worldwide Exchange, and let's kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money. Right now, stock futures, they are higher once again. Look at that. Dow futures up 100, NASDAQ up not quite as much, but in the green nonetheless. All this coming off another big day for stocks after the red-hot inflation data came in slightly less red-hot. Small caps of the NASDAQ rising nearly 3%. Those two indexes are now up 15% since just July 1st. The Dow up more than 1% yesterday and is now less than 10% from its most recent all-time high. And it wasn't just one sector on the move up. Check out some of the price action across everything from travel to financials yesterday. And what about individual stocks? Facebook up 5%. Royal Caribbean Cruises up 9%. J.P. Morgan Chase rising 3%. That inflation data moves stocks because people think that coming in a little less than expected may change the Fed's mind on interest rates. In other words, maybe they're still going to raise rates, but maybe by just not quite as much. We can debate that all day. And by the way, we will, because if the stock market thinks that, the bond market likely didn't agree very much because bond yields, they have not been moving. In fact, the 10-year yield remains right at 2.78%, literally unchanged as stocks rose. Now, energy, of course, is the biggest part of the inflation story. It has been for more than a year. And oil coming well down from its highs, helping that inflation number. But crude is still hanging around that 91 to 92 mark. In fact, it's up again this morning to 92 and a half. Remember, the full European Union sanctions on Russian oil do not kick in until December 5th. Mark that note on your calendar. It's a big deal. Also, the SPR release, it's over. And now it's got to be refilled. We'll talk more about oil with the guests coming up in a few minutes. Meantime, in the crypto market, we are seeing many of the cryptos as well on the move. Ether continues to be red hot. It is up 50% in just one month. And this morning, Bitcoin, Ether, and all the major coins, they're up more than 3%. So it's really, truly been an everything kind of rally. Oil has come down, but is now moving higher once again. All right, let's see what's happening in Europe. Get a check there and some of the key headlines. Juliana Tottlebaum is in our London newsroom 
with the early trade, some top headlines. Juliana, good morning. Brian, good morning. Well, here in Europe, we seem to be moving more or less in lockstep with Wall Street. Today, we've got green for the most part following that strong rally in the U.S. yesterday. The gains yesterday here in Europe, they paled in comparison to what you saw stateside. So we've been moving in the same direction, but not quite benefiting to the same extent. A little bit of red on the board, though. FTSE 100 down about nine-tenths of a percent. We've got miners and some of the pharma names underperforming this morning. The Zetra DAX is also trading below the flat line, but we have bounced off the lows of the morning, now down just a touch. Siemens is one of the underperformers today. That industrial giant in Germany delivered results, and they took a pretty substantial impairment charge on their stake in Siemens Energy, which is a stock that's come under significant pressure lately. We are seeing some outperformance, meanwhile, in the Italian and Spanish markets. From a sector perspective, this is the split. We have got at the top of the board oil and gas up 1.5%, the clear outperformer behind it, insurance, banks, and telecos. At the bottom of the board, we've got real estate, media, and that healthcare basket underperforming. Healthcare as a basket down about half a percent. Within that, we're seeing some heavy selling in Halion, GSK, and Sanofi. There is a story brewing around the potential litigation around Zantac, the heartburn drug that was pulled from shelves back in 2019. Investors becoming increasingly concerned this week that that could turn into a big issue for these companies. So we're seeing some pretty heavy selling. That's a story to continue keeping an eye on. Brian, back over to you. All right, Energy the Leader. Man, you are really split right down the middle. Green on top, red on the bottom. <laughs> Juliana, thank you very much. All right, well, back home, it is all about Disney blowing past estimates on a number of metrics. Now, Disney shares right now, they are popping. They would account for about 54 Dow points if they opened up at this level. But Disney is also doing something that fans may not like. Courtney Reagan is here with that. Courtney, what's going on with Disney? Hi, good morning, Brian. So that is right. Shares of Disney, as you point out, are up big in the pre-market after topping analyst estimates for its most recent quarter when it comes to sales, profits, and streaming subscribers. Sales of the company soaring 26% year-on-year thanks to record results in its parks division. But the real headline is all about streaming. Disney says total Disney Plus subscriptions rose to 152.1 million. That's well above analyst expectations, calling for 147.7 million at the end of its third fiscal quarter. Hulu had 46 million subscribers, ESPN Plus at 23 million. Combined, that's more than 221 million streaming subscribers on Disney services. That's a number that makes it the top streaming service provider in the world, pushing Netflix down to number two, Disney also unveiling a new pricing structure that incorporates an ad-supported version of Disney Plus starting December 8th. U.S. versions of Disney Plus with commercials will be $7.99 per month. Currently, the price of Disney Plus without ads. The price of Disney Plus without ads will rise 38% to $10.99. That's a $3 per month increase. But dark clouds remain. Disney is lowering its 2024 total subscriber forecast by 15 million. Still, it does expect Disney Plus to become profitable by the end of its fiscal year 2024. Disney CEO Bob Chapek will be on Tech Check at 11 a.m. Eastern time today with much more on these results. Brian, I guess kids are just going to have to get used to commercials, you know, like we used to have to watch and we often still watch when we watch this great network. Back over to you. That's where I learned everything. One to grow on on NBC. Are you kidding? I mean, those were, I'm just a bill. The more you Time know. for timer, that sort of yellow booger looking guy oh, that told us right. to brush our teeth. I mean, those were, 
Remember that? I do. Your 10-gallon hat's feeling two gallons flat, a hanker for a hunk of cheese. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. My the, God, uh, why do I I'm remember just a bill, that? Uh, yeah, the Constitution song. I can remember Tom, all those. Time for Timer here. <laughs> God, I don't know what that guy was. Courtney, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. We just do the whole show on that. Why do I? Man, they really stick me down. That was like 75 years ago. All right, now to the markets and your money. And the markets, well, stock markets, they have been hot lately. The Nasdaq's recent run now means that it's out of its longest bear market since 2008. Now, to be fair, it's only out of the bear market just barely if you measure it from the all-time intraday high. But hey, it's a nice data point and it's early. Let's be optimistic. And here is something random but interesting about these markets as well. We are seeing, there we go, the NASDAQ, according to Dow Jones, when it exits a bear market, the index has posted an average gain of 9% three months later, and then 23% one year later. Look at that. Following a bear market, the NASDAQ up more than 20%. The Dow has also historically seen gains when it, it exits a correction. On average, not nearly as much, but up about 2% after three months and 7% a year later. That is random, but interesting. Of course, past results do not always guarantee future performance. Had to say that. But let's talk about it all now with Michael Sheldon, Chief Investment Officer at RDM Financial Group. Mike, good to have you back on the program. Those are nice stats, right? Right. Good morning. They're comforting. When we exit a technical correction, the trend certainly can, you know, has been continuing to the upside. Are, are you as optimistic now as those stats may reveal? Well, I think the, the action in the market yesterday was certainly encouraging. Um, you know, stepping back a little bit, after, uh, after, the, after the Fed dealt with very high inflation, they were slow to act, but they've been tightening financial conditions for much of this year. And you can see that, for example, in the strong dollar, in credit spreads, in the yield curve. So all of those tightening of financial conditions led to a decline in equity markets this year as investors feared a slowdown in earnings and profits and a slowdown in the economy. Yesterday's news was a potential game changer in terms of the battle against inflation. So on the margin, it looks like inflation may have peaked, which is a positive for the markets longer term. And on the margin, it looks like Fed policy could potentially change course later this year or more likely in the first half of 2023. And if we get those two things together, lower inflation and a pivot in uh, Fed policy next year, I think both of those would ultimately be positive for equity markets. So I think there are reasons to be more positive looking out over the longer term than there were before yesterday's CPI report. Yeah, and I guess you know I was out on Twitter with some hot takes about inflation. It's our RBI later on in the show, and pretty much 90% of the people thought that I was completely 100% incorrect. Well, I didn't just stand up and cheer because one month does not a trend make. I mean, if we get two or three months of cooling data, five months, now we've got a clear trend. Only a couple things were down. Most everything else were actually higher. And I just don't understand that the Fed doesn't raise rates by 25 basis points more than it would have, why that matters so much for the equity market, Mike. Well, that's a key point. So importantly, Fed policy works with a lag. So the Fed's been aggressively raising rates. Uh, they started at about 0% this year, and they're already at 2.5%. And the feeling is among investors out there that the Fed will have to tighten policy further, probably a half point in September, then maybe a couple of quarter points or another half point in uh, November and then a quarter point in December. So ultimately, Fed policy will likely be tighter than normal. 
heading into next year, and we don't quite know what the ultimate impact on the economy will be. Yesterday's CPI report was positive in the sense we haven't had any positive inflation news for quite some time. So the headline number fell from 9.1% down to 8.5%, and the uh, core number actually stayed unchanged at 5.9%. All of the change yesterday was really in commodity prices, and we've we've seen a broad pullback in commodity prices, whether you look yeah. at copper, steel, gas was over $5, and now it's below $4 in, in many states. Uh, we've also seen it in wheat prices, for example. So that's going to certainly help. But things like food and shelter were certainly sticky, as you pointed out. So it's not necessarily an all-clear signal yet, and we do need to see several more months of better inflation yeah. data before the Fed can signal the all-clear. Yeah, that's right. That, and that's the point. Trends are, despite all the political talk, trends are not month over month or day over day. I understand the change matters, but show me what's going on in November. Then we can talk. Mike Sheldon, RDM, thank you very much, Mike. Really appreciate it. By the way, folks, thank you. we're going to be talking so much about the Federal Reserve. We already do, but we'll probably talk even more about them. And for your calendar, and this is a public service announcement, the three Federal Reserve meetings left this year are on September 21st, November 2nd, and December 14th. I've already put in my vacation request for those days. All right, when we come back here on WEX, fill her up. Why now? Maybe the time to get out and hit the road. Plus, much more on the House of Mouse and why your next guest may not be 100% convinced Disney shares are a buy. And later on, your morning RBI and a little bit of a reality check when it comes to that inflation report we just talked about. A very busy hour still to come when WEX returns right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back. Let's say something that we have not said in a long time. Some good news on energy costs, particularly gasoline prices. They continue to come down. Gas has fallen now for nearly 60 straight days. And now AAA reporting that the nationwide average price for a gallon of gasoline is back below four bucks. The first time that has happened since all the way back on March 6th. Good news. However... With the heart of hurricane season still ahead, the SPR release wrapping up, and full European sanctions on Russian oil still to hit, how long can we expect this to last? Denton Chenquagrana is chief oil analyst at the Oil Price Information Services and joins us now. Denton, good to have you back on the program. Uh, it's good news. Gasoline prices have come down, but quietly the price for a barrel of oil has risen about four bucks in the last three days. Where do you see the trajectory now? Well, that's right. And in addition to oil going up, 
RBOB, which is gasoline before it's ed- ethanol is added, has been going up as well. So uh, I, I still think there is some downside for retail prices. Probably, you know, we've seen some pretty incredible drops, two cents at a time, two and a half cents at a time, penny and a half at a time. I think that's going to slow down first. We probably have another five, six, seven cents of downside before we probably kind of pause and then reverse and maybe, you know, kind of hang out in this $4 area. Yeah, gasoline, obviously we talk about oil, but nobody, very 99.99% of our audience doesn't buy oil. They buy refined products like, like gasoline and everything else, Denton. And of course, there has been some official government data that shows that demand has come down. In other words, prices spiked and people drove less, but there's some private things like Gas Buddy that sort of said, well, we're not seeing a real drop off in demand. What do you think the real story is? Yeah, I do think we've seen some drop off demand. We get we get retail volumes from you know a bunch of stations around the country, probably about uh, a third of the stations in the U.S. And you know, it, on a week to week basis, it could be really choppy. But when you look at it versus a year ago, you know, five, six, seven percent gasoline demand declines is, is certainly out there. Uh, that's showing up in the EIA data as well. So yeah, I do think people are driving less. And you know, it really started obviously when when prices got above five dollars. We got to 501 in, uh, on June 14th. That's when people said, okay, enough's enough. And whether that's a, uh, you know, you can't just stop driving, but you can change your habits. And it yeah. does take a little time for that to come through. And we're, we're seeing that. Everything is about perspective. I mean, $90 a barrel was really high on the upside. Suddenly we're happy about $90 a barrel. It's like being happy that inflation, quote, cooled to 8.5%. That said, Denton, I mean, part of me thinks, wow. We're at 92 bucks a barrel, and we just released 160 million barrels from our strategic petroleum reserve that has to be refilled. Thank goodness we've had no named hurricanes so far this year. I'm going to knock on wood on that one. And these European sanctions on December 5th. I mean, it's not hard to make for a, a case for oil back to a buck 25 or 150 even. That's right. And I'm going to knock on wood, too, with, uh, with the hurricanes, because you obviously never want to see a hurricane or a major hurricane, especially. But we're watching that swath of the, the country between New Orleans and Corpus Christi, Texas. Anything in that area is is real potential for danger. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the SPR. And I do think what the SPR did, it didn't necessarily bring down prices, although prices are are coming down or have come down. I think what it did do is it kept prices from going up to those 130, 140, 150 type levels that that people were kind of forecasting. Yeah, but is there an argument that when the the European sanctions hit, automatically, let's say we assume a couple million barrels come off the market from Russia, so its prices are likely to go up, could you make the alternate argument and say, well, what if they just flood the market? Is there a chance that prices could crash on that? I mean, the oil market has a way of doing things, Denton, as you know, that don't make a lot of sense sometimes. (laughs) Very true, very true. And, you know, I I do think that, I don't think they'll come in and crash the market. Obviously, uh, Russia needs the, the the money, et cetera. You know, one of the interesting things that's happened over the course of uh, since the invasion in February, in late February, you know, a lot of Russian oil still made it to the market, whether that was going to China or India. Uh, so I don't necessarily see how, you know, we lose the three million barrels a day that we thought we were going to lose. I mean, kind of been waiting for it. There's other elements to that 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 we have lost. It's, you know, intermediate feedstocks that go to to refineries, uh, diesel. 
the co components that go into making gasoline, sure, those had to be replaced. But as far as a massive loss of Russian oil, just really haven't seen it so far. Yeah, I mean, I and we'll see what happens after December 5th or maybe even a little bit before that with some positioning. And let us all knock on wood that there has been no named Atlanta hurricane storm so far. And I do not want to give it the broadcaster's jinx. Denton Chinquagrana, really appreciate your views. Thank you, Denton. See you soon. Thanks, Brian. All right, still on deck. The surging dollar and demand destruction hitting yet another stock. This one down 20% right now. It is your mystery chart. Here's a hint. It may not be music to your ears. Today's big number, 102 million. That's how many smart speaker users there are in the U.S., almost a third of the population, according to eMarketer. Around 67 million have an Amazon Echo. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back and good Thursday morning. It's 524. Hope you're having a great start to your day. Seems like a good time to do some big money movers, right? So let's do it. And here's your mystery chart from before the commercial, Sonos. It is getting walloped. It's down nearly 21% right now. This after posting no earnings per share when analysts were looking for a profit of $0.07. Cents. Sales also coming up short, as did guidance for the year. CEO Patrick Spence says the macroeconomic backdrop has become significantly more challenging. Inflation, there it is, and the rising dollar also hitting customer spending hard. Stock number two is Bumble. Shares also down after slashing its full-year guidance. That despite a top-line beat for the most recent quarter. Company citing, you guessed it, inflation and currency headwinds among the reasons for its weaker-than-expected forecast. And shares of vacation rental management company Vacasa are soaring. That after an unexpected profit of two cents a share versus an expected loss of 20 cents, that stock's up 24%. Solid current quarterly guidance also helping the case, although even with that gain, stock is still down about 50% on the year. By the way, it's not just Vacasa. Well, they are still down year to date. In the last month, hotel and travel booking stocks have seen a huge pickup. Check out Hilton, Marriott, Intercontinental over the past month. Those, those little sort of weird lines on the right side of your screen, they're all up. Similar story for Airbnb, Expedia, and Booking. There it is, and Booking.com. All right, now let's step out of the market to get a check on this morning's other top headlines. Francis Rivera is in New York with those. Good morning, Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Former President Trump spent four hours being deposed inside the offices of New York Attorney General Letitia James as part of a civil investigation of the Trump family business. A source tells NBC News that Mr. Trump pleaded the fifth more than 440 times. According to his lawyer, the former president did answer one question when he gave investigators his name. Meanwhile, there is growing pressure for Attorney General Merrick Garland to explain why the FBI searched Mar-a-Lago. One current and one former Justice Department official tells NBC News that multiple officials within the DOJ believe Garland should make a public statement about the basis for the search warrant. 
At least three people are dead after a house exploded in Evansville, Indiana. Look at this dramatic blast. It was captured on video. The fire department is still looking for more victims. 39 other homes were damaged, some of them so badly they were not safe to enter. The local fire chief says no gas leak has been detected. The ATF will conduct a blast analysis to try to find the cause of the explosion. A flash flood warning was issued for the areas surrounding Washington, D.C., in Maryland and Virginia after heavy rain dropped several inches, flooding the Capitol Beltway and left a number of drivers stranded. Hopefully they can recover from that. And for the rest of us in the Northeast, Brian, finally some cooler temperatures, some relief because it has been so nasty, sweltering, stinky, disgusting, all of the above, especially in the city as we talked about. I finally was able to step out of my apartment for the first time to run some errands in a couple of days. Uh, you, it was like I was in Times Square the other morning and like we talked about, it was like you walked outside and it was like you got punched in the face with like <laughs> all kinds of odors that you just never knew I had a name for it, but it's not fit for TV. I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll email you privately. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. Whatever it is, I agree. Yeah, it's pot and pee. Anyway, all right, it, we can us <laughs> something. All right, Francis, thank you. All right, still ahead. Why one money manager says energy's recent rally may have just run out of steam. Hmm. And by the way, if you haven't already, follow our podcast. We know the show's on early or maybe you're commuting again. Don't worry, we're here for you. Follow it on all the major podcasting apps like Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. Check it out. It's got a pretty good rating from what I understand. Good host, too, I think. We'll be right back. Are more gains to come for your portfolio? Stocks trying to extend the big recent rally as tech stocks come out of a bear market. Inflation still hot, but not as hot as it was in June. So is that good news for future Fed rate hikes? And the markets will dive in with another key inflation point out today. Number one, no more. Netflix conceding streaming thrown to Disney after a blowout quarter from Burbank. It is Thursday, August 11th. This is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome and welcome back, everybody. And good Thursday morning. I'm Brian. Good to be back with you. Let's kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money. And right now, stock futures, they are higher. Dow futures up just about 100 points. A lot of that is Disney. We'll get more on Disney in just one moment. All this coming off a big day for stocks after the red-hot inflation data came in slightly less red-hot. Small caps of the Nasdaq rising nearly 3%, and they are now up 15% since July 1st. And as they go up, the risk meter is going down. If you haven't looked at the VIX in a while, you should. The VIX dropping below 20 on Wednesday. That's the first time that we have seen that low of a level in months. All pretty amazing, considering Putin's war in Ukraine and heightened China tension. Still good news. The VIX at 1999. It's like a pair of jeans on set. We're 20. Now they're 1999. All right, now to energy. That, of course, the biggest part of the inflation story for more than a year. And oil coming down from its highs, certainly helping that June and July inflation data. But crude is still hanging around that 92 mark right now. It's up once again. Remember, we talked about it. Full EU sanctions on Russian oil don't kick in until December 5th. Crude oil, 92.66 a barrel here. Natural gas, by the way, it's up about 1% to $8.29. And still just be glad you are not in Europe because energy costs there continue to go stratospheric and they continue to go higher. Dutch spot natural gas, known as TTF, is now above 200 euros per megawatt hour. 
208.75 to be exact. That translates to about 63 US dollars. We just showed you. The same contract is going for about eight and a quarter, eight bucks and change. They're paying 63. Simply incredible what has been happening in Europe. All right, let's get a check down some of this morning's other top headlines. Courtney is back with those. Courtney, what are you looking at? Hey, Brian. Good morning. So Ethereum just ran its final test ahead of a system-wide upgrade that's been in, the, in years in the making. Once complete, the world's second largest cryptocurrency by market value would switch from a proof-of-work model to a new proof-of-stake model for its network, one that's expected to significantly reduce the amount of energy required to verify transactions and mint new coins. The upgrade is expected to be completed by the end of next month, Ethereum higher by 3.6%. CVS was reportedly the mystery bidder that tried to buy primary care company One Medical before Amazon swooped in to acquire it for $3.5 billion. According to Bloomberg, CVS first approached One Medical parent One Life Healthcare about a deal in October and was in the mix to buy the company for $18 a share in cash until weeks before it agreed to sell to Amazon. And Cisco Systems says it was hit by a cyber attack earlier this year. The company says it first became aware of the breach back in May when hackers used employee credentials to, quote, conduct a series of sophisticated voice phishing attacks, which ultimately granted access to the company's corporate network. Cisco says the hack did not appear to involve sensitive customer data or private employee information. That's, I guess, a little bit more comforting. Brian? I know, still Cisco getting hit by a cyber attack. It's like kind of their space. Right, it's, that's you know what, I mean? what like, they do. It makes me feel a little, yeah, like uneasy every time we hear bit. about one of these. Yeah. Exxon got hit by an oil attack. I, <laughs> there we go. Courtney Reagan, thank you. Thanks, Brian. All right, now let's get back to this morning's top stock story, and that is Disney. Shares are surging right now up 7%. This after topping Wall Street estimates for sales, profits, and streaming subscribers. Disney says it now has more than 221 million global streaming users across all of its platforms. Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN, etc. And that is now topping Netflix. But here's the other big headline. They're raising their prices by a lot in some cases. Beginning December 8th, U.S. versions of Disney Plus with commercials will be $7.99 a month, which is currently the price of Disney Plus without commercials. The price of the ad-free Disney Plus will rise 38% to $10.99. That is a $3 per month increase. Kind of sounds like cable TV. So how does it all balance out? Joining us now is Kenneth Leon. He is Director of Equity Research at CFRA. Ken, no doubt the market likes it. The numbers were good. But these price hikes, I mean, do you think they're going to be able to now keep their new streaming title with these kinds of higher costs? Is it that sticky? Yeah, it's great to be here. And, and of course, Disney's move is a sense of a relief. The sentiment was so negative for media and entertainment. Uh, these price increases are noted, and there still is significant churn in this industry for streaming. Uh, but I think the value creation of Disney's content management thinks uh, they have room to raise rates. Uh, the most One of the most expensive is HBO Max, which is still above the ad-free Disney Plus uh, new pricing plan. Yeah, and you know, if we could throw a longer term one or three or five year chart up, and I don't want to throw any water on these numbers, they were good. The numbers were good. The market is reacting as such. But Disney was a hundred and eighty dollars stock. What one year ago? I mean, so it's it's at one hundred and twenty and one hundred and twenty one right now. But let's be clear, 
This has been a tough stock story for investors. So I think on the call last night from management and, and what we're hearing from media, uh, they really have steered the narrative to really executing in their traditional businesses. The parks was a blowout quarter and they gave visibility how they're going to manage the streaming business, but it lost a billion dollars in this quarter up uh, from 280 million a year ago. Uh, so even if you're ratcheting down the total subscriber count, I think focus is going to be more on can you move to reduce the losses and make this a franchise where you have predictable uh, cash flow. Uh, and that's the narrative we go into next year, possibly with recession. So I think you're right, Brian, is the stock is traded down, doesn't pay a dividend, doesn't repurchase shares. Uh, their CapEx went from 3.8 to 5 billion this year. They are uh, reducing programming spending from 32 to 30 billion. But at the end of the day, it's about making money in media. And I think uh, Disney did a good job to steer the narrative last night on the call. Yeah, and if they if they raise streaming prices, Ken, and keep all their subscribers or continue to grow, they're going to make more money. But isn't the risk you raise prices, you lose a couple of percent of your subscribers because inflation's just eating everything, and now you bring in the same revenue on a smaller base of customers. I mean, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, so let's be clear here that not every subscriber is the same for Disney. You noted domestically the different plans, but about 37, 40% of their total subs comes from India, Disney plus Hotstar. They're going to lose customers. That, that was up the most. Out of 14 million subs gained in the quarter, eight, over 8 million was India. And they raised from a meager 76 cents to $1.20 a month. You know, so it's maybe making 700 million a year going forward. Um, you know, so it's not going to be the subscriber counts that are going to matter as much as just getting some healthy revenue and EBITDA growth. It sounds kind of boring, but that's really uh, the message we're hearing from the industry, uh, particularly from other uh, competitors. Yeah. And ESPN, listen, I mean, I'm a guy, college football fan. I, I, I don't tell anybody, Ken, but they could raise prices no matter what. And I'm going to have ESPN on my app and on my TV because I, I, I need that college football and, and some car racing on the side, Ken. Can we talk quickly about Parks? It was a bank rate study out, or Courtney Reagan hit it earlier in the show, that people are beginning to trade down because inflation is just crushing their wallets. I love Disney. I grew up in the shadow of Disney for a brief period when I was a kid in Anaheim, California. But at some point, is there a breaking point for their park visitors as well? Because Disney ain't cheap. So the parks did great, but it was on the trajectory still from the uh, rear mirror of coming out of the pandemic. And it's likely that going forward, there'll be greater risk, particularly for recession. Uh, the parks did great. They say they can open up uh, the gates for more people um, as they feel comfortable getting out of COVID. Um, but it's a very cyclical business, Brian. It's not one where you're going to mortgage the bank just to go to Disney Park. Uh, they had a yeah. great quarter. That's really what made the earnings beat this, this quarter, for sure. Yeah, and Universal, as we all know, Ken, they have far better rides, but I might be a little bit biased. Bottom line, what do we do with the stock? 
So I, th I think uh, the stock, is, we have it as a hold, and to your point that the stock is still down significantly from before uh, for shareholder return, it's all about, you know, can they continue to drive profitability because shareholders are not getting buybacks or dividends from this stock. Ken Leon, we really appreciate it. CFRA, interesting quarter for Disney. Great day today. Been a tough couple of years. All in the mix. Ken, thank you very much. We'll get more on all this stuff, by the way, with a CNBC exclusive interview with Disney CEO Bob Chapek. He will join Julia Borson and team on Tech Check at 11 a.m., 11.30 to be specific. Tech Check starts at 11. That is a big-time interview. All right, on deck. Your morning RBI, and why all that investor cheering over the inflation data might just be a bit premature. Call this our hot take of the day. But that inflation data helping stocks a bit on Wednesday, all part of a bigger recent rally, which could continue today. Stock futures helped by Disney up 116. You're watching Worldwide Exchange, and we're back right after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We're looking at markets that could continue their rise. I mean, the market's been pretty red hot since July 1st, and right now there are many stocks that are on the rise again. Your pre-market movers, look at the cruise lines. By the way, just finished an audiobook called Cabin Fever about the Zandam as the pandemic hit. Really, I don't know the authors, don't have a stake, but a really good book, Cabin Fever. Listen to that while driving back and forth to the Midwest. Disney are leading gainers. What about on the NASDAQ? All right, you see Zion's Bank Corp, Air Products and Chemicals, and more. All right, it is time now for your morning RBI. And maybe just for today, we should change it to random but inflationary. Because let's you and I have a chat about inflation, shall we? Okay, because yesterday the markets rallied as the consumer price index, a measure of what you pay for all kinds of things, came in fractionally lower than some estimates. Now investors cheered the news with all kinds of headlines about cooling. Less inflation means an easier Fed, and an easier Fed is generally good news for stocks. But will the Fed really ease off because the July inflation data came in slightly below some expectations? Let's dig in a bit on these, quote, cooling numbers, some facts, all right? First, they are still much higher than just a few months ago and way higher than a year ago. We were at 7% inflation at the end of the year and being told by some very smart people that, that was transitory. Also, this was a very narrow number. Only a couple of parts of inflation actually came down last month. Gasoline, clothes, and some car prices. Look at this graphic from Crescent Capital's Jack Ablett. It shows of eight major components of that CPI, those are the orange lines there, and their change from last month. Going to the left means down, to the right means up. The good news is that biggest orange left line. That is the 1.6% drop in gasoline prices. That is big. Well, look at that. Apparel also fell about 1.2%. Used cars, on, not on this list, also declined. But everything else actually went up. Housing and medical care, they surged once again. The rent is literally too darn high. And the worst part was that food costs also continue to rise. And they may not even yet reflect higher crop prices from the surge in fertilizer costs. And you know what else is set to rise but is not measured in this? Electricity prices this winter and credit card interest rates. They are soaring or will soar for millions of people coming up. Okay, okay, it's early. We don't wanna be negative, we like to be positive. 
So the good news is that overall, inflation costs have moderated a little bit. They remain level with June. But let's not be clear. They are still super high and at least maybe not going up more, which at least for now is important because inflation is an incredibly regressive tax on particularly lower income families. Inflation needs to come down. But before you dump all your money into stocks because you think the Fed is going to suddenly take a victory lap over this number, remember two things. Number one, one month doth not a trend make. And number two, the producer price index is out later on today and could change the narrative once again. So hold on to your slightly less expensive hats. Random, but interesting. All right, coming up, we're going to talk more about the markets, the Fed, and inflation, and also get some stock picks from one of our favorite guests, Victoria Green. But first, let's get a check now on gasoline. Gasoline prices are below 4 bucks a gallon for the first time in more than five months. AAA reporting the national average is $3.99. I know you in California are thinking, we haven't seen that since like 1982. But overall, we're below four bucks. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back to Thursday morning. Here's your Thursday agenda. You get the weekly jobless claims, but the producer price index is going to be the big one. That's out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. That's like the inflation data on the producer side, not on the consumer side. That will be closely watched. You're going to get results from before the bell from Canada Goose, their $1,000 jackets, Hanes brand, Six Flags, and U.S. food. All right, let's talk more now about inflation. These markets to get some stock picks. One of our favorite guests, that is Victoria Green, CIO of G Squared Private Wealth, a Forbes top advisor team. Uh, Victoria, I was out on Twitter and social media last night, kind of, you know, taking a different take on CPI because you're hearing all the political stuff on one side. And I was just kind of like, you know, poking people saying it's not a great number. Yeah, it was 0% gain from June to July, but if, if the Fed raises rates to 2.75% instead of 3%, I mean, should that justify a 500-point Dow rally? It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, it shouldn't. Just because it didn't get up any further in July doesn't mean it, it was starting from zero. So you started from a terrible place. And it's like, we're like, congratulations, the world didn't get any more terrible from this horrible starting point. So I think everybody yeah. celebrated. It's like you're happy you got, you got stung by you got stung by seven wasps, but you were expecting to be stung by eight. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. I mean, that's kind of how it felt. Premature. It is, it is. And especially with the yeah. food and housing. I, I mean, average rents right now over 2000 uh, It's a lot of pressure on the average consumer. They seem to be taking on more credit card debt, credit card costs, and interest rates are going up. Uh, and look, you got to be thinking about this market. Typically, you see a bottom, like let's go to 09 low or 2020 lows. You see this bottom when everything is horrible in the world. Unemployment's high. You know, we're, we're in the middle of it. Just can't get any worse. So the market starts leading us out because then you know the future gets better. But if you look at where we are, economically speaking, the labor market is still tight. Unemployment's still low. This market is rallying like we're coming off this this. Uh, type of 08 scenario where we're only going to be able to improve the economy. How do we improve this economy? How do we improve this labor market? I think it's going to be hard for us to grow. So the market's celebrating, and yeah. I think it's a little premature. Yeah, and, and inflation is a big deal. It's a regressive tax, particularly on the lower income. And, and there was a bank rate study Courtney Reagan hit earlier in the show that people are already cutting back. Walmart cutting its profit forecast recently, but you like a Costco because I think you nailed it, Victoria. I've been writing on LinkedIn and others. I think the biggest risk to the economy right now 
is growing credit card debt debt in the face of higher rates. You think Costco might be able to weather that storm? Yes, when people are looking for value, they're the number one wholesale store. So uh, they have a very loyal customer base. They are value oriented, uh, but they also hit a little bit more affluent consumer necessarily than Walmart does. And so you saw Walmart and Target warn, but you saw Amazon and a Costco do fairly well because their consumer bases are slightly different. But Costco also has this loyal uh, customer base. It's like a 95% renewal rate. They're looking at hiking prices most likely next year. The hot dog combo is still going to stay $1.50. I can guarantee you that. If that ever changes, is, that means we're in trouble. That, that's going to be the leading. We're going to have the Victoria Green Costco hot dog index. Why not? Yes. A buck fifty. You're right. If that ever goes a buck seventy-five, or if five below oh. changes their name to ten below or two dollar general or something <laughs> like that, uh, there's a lot of money in the new Senate bill. Assuming it'll pass, to this it probably will tomorrow, and then the president signs it this weekend for renewables. That could be very good for a company like Next Era, which is the biggest renewable energy producer in America, formerly known as yeah. Florida Power and Light, by the way. We do. Yes. Yeah, they, they've gone through, you know, formerly known like Prince, right? Uh, look, they, they're a good, strong utility, but they have, they are a leading uh, um, player in that space. And we do like that space. We think it's good to have a little bit of a toehold. They're not a pure play like a, a solar company like Sunrun or something like that. As a utility, they're a little bit more secure. So this is our way of getting some exposure to the renewables market uh, on a very strong, well-operated company that is also a utility. So it's a little less, uh, you know, if California changes their regulations, which has hit solar a few times this year, or we see subsidies change or yep. rebates change, that's really hitting different solar companies than Nextera. So I really like this play, and they're a solid quality company. Yeah, it's U.S. liquefied natural gas to the rescue in Europe, helping them fill up their tanks for the winter. Let's hope they get there. Chenier is a big part of that. Also in Asia, their numbers last night, I mean, I don't like to editorialize, but I don't know how to call them anything other than blowout. I mean, Chenier Energy's numbers were massive. Yeah, and we've liked them for a while. Uh, we think they're a leader in exporting LNG, their terminals. First off, they execute well, and they're a well-run company in a very growing sector because Russia's loss, I think, is going to be Chenier's gain, and Europe's going to need natural gas, uh, and they're one of the best export terminals and the best-run companies for uh, LNG and LNG exports. So we want exposure to that, but it's a, a good company in a growing space. I don't mm -hmm. think we're going to see a natural gas demand uh, go down any further. Uh, if anything, we're going to see continue to grow uh, as the Russia situation plays out. That's dragged on longer than most of us anticipated. If you think about what we were talking about in February, was this going to be like a 30-day skirmish? Yeah. And now we are fully entrenched with Russia and Ukraine hitting in August and September without a resolution at sight. So I see natural gas, a good place to be uh, in a strong company. Natural gas, renewables, and Costco's famous buck 50 hot dog. We covered it all. Victoria Green and G Squared, appreciate you getting up early. Thanks for coming on, Victoria. Have a great day. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Really appreciate you tuning in every day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.